Isaiah 40, verses 30 through 31. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. We have a new microphone this morning, so be sure to let us know how the sound quality is and send Steve a big thank you for organizing our sound. As much as I would love to believe, you know, we could live without him. Actually, no, I don't wish we could believe. No, I love living with Steve. He's great. So let us thank Steve for offering us the opportunity to hear this morning. Over the past few weeks, I have been preaching on what it means to be a beginner in Christianity and how we are all supposed to be a bit of a beginner all the time. We started with a conversation about our lived faith and how we are called to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Last week, we touched on doubt and the questions that we have for our faith. Today, we enter the tomb. Where do we go and what do we do when we are past doubt, past believing? What do we do when we feel like we have been abandoned by God? Would you pray with me? Creator God, you have brought us together again to hear your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are an act of service in your kingdom even if they are not perfect. May your love shine through the many ways. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time in the church, partially because my family was very active in the church. We liked to attend Tuesday night youth group and Saturday afternoon Bible study and Sunday morning Sunday school, and then, of course, Sunday morning services. But we were also at the church all the time because my mother worked at the church. <laughs> and I would have to go and hang out at the church after school was over quite a bit. I spent a lot of time in our church library, which actually functioned as a library. You could check out books and movies. Uh, and I did my homework in there pretty regularly. And I got bored out of my skull in that room pretty regularly too. <laughs> Lots of hours waiting on mom to get out of finance meetings. <laughs> In the time after my grandmother died, I would be spending a lot of time in that room. And I would sit and I would search when my homework was over most of the time. I was not a perfect student. But I would look through book after book trying to find something that spoke to me about where I was in my faith right then and what I could do about, about the emptiness, the absence that I felt of the presence of God in my life. 
I couldn't, I couldn't pray anymore. Pastors would tell me, you know, just keep the faith, keep believing, do your thing. But I, I couldn't anymore. I just, I don't know where it went. So one of these bored, after homework moments, I remember finding this book on Mother Teresa, which, you know, by all accounts, belongs in a church library. She was a saint, after all. But I think this book might have been like a biography of her life. Um, I'm not sure what it was, but I remember reading that she had first wanted to be a missionary when she was 12 years old. Talk about listening to the voices Being a missionary at 12 years old, that's a pretty big calling. And when she turned 18, she did just that. She joined a convent, went into training, and became a missionary. Now, at 16 years old, I can say I had very little interest in joining a convent. It was not on my uh, to-do list. (laughs) But I was floored, so impressed by her dedication. I found that in my life, where I was right then, filled with emptiness, that I had a complete lack of faith that had sprung up out of sadness. But from that book, I found the words that helped me figure out what to do with all of that emptiness. Mother Teresa said, faith in action is love, and love in action is service. By transforming that faith into living acts of love, we put ourselves in contact with God himself, with Jesus our Lord. And that is what I wanted more than anything. A little bit of contact. A feeling of presence. Finally, I found something to fill the void I had been feeling, to fill that faith-shaped need. I figured if I couldn't pray in spirit, maybe I could pray in action. After all, look how much good you can do. Look how much good you can accomplish if you focus on living out that love. Mother Teresa's life was a testament of the power of lived faith. She worked with thousands and began missions to help the sick, the dying, the orphan, and the abused. She believed above all else that everyone was welcome at the table of the Lord, and she was going to make sure that everyone got served. Obviously, being a human being, Mother Teresa was not perfect, but at the time, her words are what nudged me to try to pay attention again. I took the words from our scripture today to heart, specifically our scripture from James. What good is it if you say you have faith, but you do not have works? Can faith save you? Show me your faith apart from works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. I hoped that maybe I could walk my way right back into faith. That maybe if I performed the actions of serving and communing and fellowshipping and breathing, that maybe I could believe again. So I sought out ways to be of service. Any service project I could find, I was ready to do. And then I also read my Bible and attended Bible study and went to youth group. I I tried to do all of the church things. I was very religious, but I wasn't spiritual. 
But then, you know, the other scripture from this week came up in a sermon. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. Whatever I felt in that time, it was only a few steps away from weary. And right along with it, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, was preached, I feel like, every week that I was having a struggle of faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that none of you may boast. I was kind of hard to hear when I was struggling with my faith. And I knew the story of Mary and of Martha. I knew that work alone could not save me. I don't know if you remember the story of Mary and Martha, but essentially, Martha is so worried about making sure that everything is going well that she, put, she works herself into a frenzy while Mary sits at the feet of Christ and doesn't work. Jesus praises Mary for her willingness to sit down instead of being so busy. I like that, in theory. Now, these texts from James and Ephesians like to duel in my head a lot because they are seemingly so contradictory. And I often want to rise to the defense of both Mary and Martha because they are both here in the room with Christ. I feel like that changes the dynamic a little bit. But, you know, for all of my internal debate about these scriptures and these stories, they all have quite the history themselves. These scriptures shine a light on one of Christianity's most contentious debates, the role of action in our life. What is the balance that we should be looking for between the faith in our lives and the faith in our hearts and minds? What matters more? What do we do or what do we believe? What, what matters more in our lives? Battles have been fought over this. Revolutions have created new denominations over this. People have actually lost their lives over this debate. In a world filled with people called spiritual but not religious, is spirituality really enough? Is our faith enough to be in good relationship with God? What if we don't believe? What if we don't seek out that relationship with God, but we do all the right things? Will we end up with God in the end? How important is belief? And can we control what belief is in our lives? Can we control what we believe? According to the spiritual advisor and confessor for Mother Teresa, the saint of Calcutta, the answer to that question is no. No, we cannot control what we believe. In the late 1950s, when Mother Teresa met Reverend Joseph Nooner, and I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, she confided in him the greatest secret of her life. The woman who had changed the world and served thousands in the name of Jesus Christ, questioned the very existence of God. In the book, Come Be My Light, a collection of Mother Teresa's personal letters to her superiors and confessors, we learn from her very own hand what her faith life was really like. 
When I read the words of Mother Teresa, I am overwhelmed by her sense of desperation, her struggle with what she calls the darkness. Her struggle with faith would last over 50 years, spanning almost the entirety of her ministry, aside from a five-week break in which she felt the presence of God again. That's five weeks out of 50 years. According to her correspondence, what the world would happily call one of the Lord's most faithful servants was for much of her life a faithless saint. In a letter that she wrote to Jesus under the advisement of one of her confessors, she wrote these words. So many unanswered questions live within me, afraid to uncover them. If there be a God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such a convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. I am told that God loves me. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. In correspondence with Reverend Nooner and many other professors, we find a woman distraught with no faith, nothing to cling to. And in the midst of it all, she continues to work, continues to care for the hungry and the sick. I now often wonder if this kind of faith bottoming out is a manifestation of burnout. That now too common word that means we're all very tired of being very tired. Actually, burnout is defined by Merriam-Webster as exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. I think serving the needy in an area of extreme need over 50 years may be considered a stressful situation. I would also say that living through a pandemic, an election cycle, and widespread social unrest may also count as prolonged stress. Right? Right. During this past year, I have often wondered, is faith going to get us through this, this particular set of circumstances? And I've heard people talk about how this year has restored their faith in God because they have had to lean on God to survive it. How beautiful that faith is. But for others, I have heard that the light has grown dim that the faith they once took comfort in has become a place of hopelessness and fear. For all of the work that we try to do, we may not feel overcome with faith. We may struggle to see God in our world. And the story of Mother Teresa doesn't offer us any answers, but rather a look at how we can offer ourselves even when we feel abandoned. In her counsel from Reverend Nooner, Mother Teresa was comforted by three things that should also bring comfort to us wherever we are in our faith, from the top of Mount Everest to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. 
These three things have great meaning for us. The first is that there will be darkness. Our lives will never preclude us from doubt or suffering. The second is that feeling Jesus is not the only proof that Jesus is present with you. And the third is that your desire for the presence of God or a spiritual guide or the Holy Spirit or the great whatever, whatever this is to you, if you have a yearning in your heart for it, it is evidence of God's work in your heart. If you are looking for it, you are well on your way to it. Because here's the truth. Your belief only goes so far. Yes, I know. Belief gets top billing, top religious billing by every major venue. But as one American philosopher said, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it or even believing that we believe it. We believe something when we act as though it is true. Now I want to clarify that doing more, acting more, being the saint of Calcutta won't make us any better in the eyes of God. Serving on every church committee and giving all of your money away won't make you more loved by God. If you want to try, don't let me stop you. But God doesn't give out brownie points as far as I can tell. We cannot win the affection of our creator. We cannot work our way into relationship with God. When, and I say when, not if, but when you feel hunger for something bigger than yourself and your life, or an emptiness or a darkness that owns your soul, keep going. Act as you think your faith would tell you to act. Keep walking, or as Matt would say, keep listening. Take that next step. We may not be able to work our way into God's heart, but maybe we can begin to walk in the direction of God. Take one step after another, helping where we can, serving who we can, offering love in places where it wasn't before. Wherever our hands are employed for good, there is God. Wherever we try, there is God. Wherever God is, there is room. There is room for the faithless saints, for the doubting Thomases. There is room for the faithful Marys and the busy Marthas. No one is excluded. No one is left alone. There is room. For you here. And we're so glad that you made it. Amen.